I wonder as we come into November, uh, what do you think of when you think of November? So there's all sorts of different things that happen in the month of November. I'm wondering what are kind of the first things that come to your mind. I know that for some, it can certainly be falling leaves. I know that for others, we think a lot about Snoopy and, and Charlie Brown. We think about Thanksgiving. You might think of today is, I'd be remiss to not include this, today is Guy Fawkes Day. So some people, when they think of November, they think, remember, remember the 5th of November, the treasonous gunpowder powder plot. Um, sometimes we think of just, what is today? Daylight savings time. Is this the one we like or don't like? This is the one we like, right? Okay. When I think of November, I think of some of those things, but I really think of parades. That's really for me. When I think of November, I think of parades, especially the Thanksgiving parade. Let's face it. There's not a lot of ways where our faith really gets to get lived out in society at all, but we still have Thanksgiving. And when we look at our local Thanksgiving parade, what we see is that it's really a way to remember some of our Christian heritage, especially in this area, where people stopped and thanked God for all the blessings. And I think about the parade. It's interesting. If you stop to think about a parade, do it for a moment. Think about some of your early experiences at a parade. Think about it. Now, I've got a picture of a big guy with a drum here. Life is like a parade. Have you ever thought about that? A parade starts somewhere and ends somewhere. Life is like that. Some parades are really long. Some parades are really short. Some lives are really long. Some lives are, unfortunately, shorter. No matter what, in a parade, it takes work. If you're going to get from the beginning of the parade to the end, it takes work. Can we agree? Whether you're riding on the float, it maybe takes work to simply sit still for all that time. If you're walking or you're marching, right, you're doing all the marching, do that for four miles, that's work. Life is like that. No matter what we do, I was reminded of this this past week because we were talking about parades and life, and I was thinking, you know, the person who works himself to death and the person who sits and binge-watches the TV show for 17 hours, they're actually both doing work, aren't they? It's different kinds of work, but if you really think about it, it's work to sit in front of a screen for 17 hours, is it not? Life is like a parade. Different people do different things. I look around. Everybody look around in this congregation, and if you're online, think of the people in your life. Different people do different things. You have different roles in a parade. Maybe you have the guy on the horse. Maybe you have the people in the antique cars honking the horns. Maybe you have the people in the fire trucks, but there's all different roles. Life is like that, too. You always move forward in a parade, or what happens? You get run over. Try to stop in a parade. Think about that for a second. You walk in your parade. If you stop, what happens? The marching band plows you over. We see funny instances of this on YouTube. Life is like that. No matter what we try, we think we can go back. Can we go back in life? We really can't. There's things that happen in our life that we wish we could take back. But the more we have faith especially, we learn that today is today and God has good plans for me today. Tomorrow will be today at some point, and God will have good plans for me today. Life is like that. You don't have any control over the outside circumstances. We're reminded in a parade or in life, you can't control people, places, or things. If you're on your float and it breaks down, it just breaks down. If the float in front of you breaks down, 
It just breaks down. And every reaction to the parade is totally unique. Think about that. Imagine that you designed the perfect float. Think in your, in your head for a moment what that would be. Now, for me, I think it'd be Millennium Falcon. I've always wanted to. If I enter, I've never entered a really big... We had one year where we were in the parade, but we just walked with banners as a church. I've always thought the perfect parade float would be the Millennium Falcon. Would you agree? So that would be mine. Maybe yours would be the yellow submarine, or I don't know. So think about that for a second. Now think of the way people react to it. Some people, like David, if they see a Millennium Falcon, they're going to scream and be so excited. Other people won't know what it is. That's how life is. What you do, have you ever felt really good about something you were going to do at work? And then no one got it. Because like a parade, every reaction is unique. So what does that have to do with Colossians? Because you say, David, that's great. You just spent five minutes talking about parades, which we need to. It's November. Open up with me in your Bible. We're going to be a little unusual today. We, we joke that this is not nine sermons, but one long four-and-a-half-hour sermon. Today we're going to go really deep in the text. You're going to notice that we didn't read the text earlier. We're going to read it as we do our study today. We're going to study through together because I want to not miss Paul writes to the Colossian church. Who is Paul? This is a review if you've been with us. If you haven't, we're so glad you're here. Paul was Saul of Tarsus. He was a stubborn, hateful guy who had a hard time and struggled and thought killing Stephen was a good idea. It wasn't. And he had a heart change, and he turned his life over to Jesus, and he then had 14 years where he studied and learned and surrendered, and then he had an opportunity to plant churches all over the world, and now he's in jail. And now he's writing to a church he's never met, a church he didn't plant, and somewhere he'll never visit. And he's writing to encourage them. And last week, we were in Colossians 2, we talked about avoiding legalism, how our relationship with Jesus should not become all about the things I don't do, but it should be new life in Christ. Now, I'm going to give you, here's the challenge. When we simply say, hey, it's not about legalism, that doesn't mean anything goes, does it? There's a balance. We have a ladies group on Thursdays. They talk a lot about the messy middle. Are you part of the, anyone who's involved in the ladies group? You know what we're talking about. On Thursday nights, they talk about how life has this messy middle. The Christian walk has a messy middle. We don't want legalism where I just say, I do this, I don't do this, and I, just, I don't have any sort of a personal devotion. It's about rules. And we don't want to say anything goes. That's something called antinomianism. We have this messy middle where we love and follow Jesus, and over time, he changes us. We call this sanctification. Sometimes you hear these churchy words, and they're really familiar. Sometimes you're like, they just use a churchy word of me. Sanctification means the Holy Spirit makes me like Jesus over time. If you are a Christian, you have something called the Holy Spirit in your heart, okay? And now, the way you become more like Jesus, because Jesus is not only our Savior, but the ultimate moral example, the way you become like Jesus over time is not by my rules and my legalism, but by surrendering to God and letting the Holy Spirit make things clear to me over time. That is the sanctifying grace. That is the Holy Spirit working in my life. That is what the Apostle Paul is going to talk about in this text, where he's going to talk about living the new life. And so you're going to see that he's going to essentially say, life is like a parade, and you need to get on the Jesus float. 
But our big idea is not going to be some silly get on the Jesus float in the parade, but it's rather that our choices matter. The choices we make matter. Do you ever feel like the stuff you do doesn't matter? I feel like that sometimes. I feel like no matter how much I try, it just doesn't make a difference. There's that, that story, that wonderful story where the guy walks on the beach and he sees all the starfish and he just feels helpless because all the starfish are going to die. You're tracking with me? You've heard this story? Maybe not. And he looks and he's like, I can't save all the starfish. But then he says, you know what? I can save this one. And he throws one back in the water. And then over time, people see him doing that and other people join in. And I never know in that story if every single starfish gets saved, but what I know is that a difference is made, and that's what the Christian faith is like. We have a chance to make a difference in this hurting world because the choices we make matter. So I want to show you that with parades, because sometimes we look at these texts and we say they get really heavy, they get really theologically dense. You're going to hear words like this at the beginning, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the reality of heaven, and you can say okay, what does that mean? So let's think of it as a parade. Here's our first part. The float is about Jesus, not me. So I want you to imagine that you have an opportunity to go to a parade, and you're going to have a float, and it's going to be a Jesus float. There's different theme floats, right? There's Ninja Turtles, and there's Power Rangers, and there's Thanksgiving, and there's Larry the Lobster, and there's Peanuts, and all these things, right? And let's say you're going to be on the Jesus float, now, what's the temptation if I'm going to make a Jesus float? In my Christian life, I make it all about me, right? Ultimately, what I start to say is, hey, um, no, my Jesus float, David's a Christian, so I'm going to make the float about me and include Jesus on the side. So I'm going to have all sorts of things that represent me, and then I'll put a little cross or Jesus statue on the side and say, that's a Jesus float. I want to throw that idea out. I want you to imagine you're in a parade, you're going to ride the Jesus float, because that's really what the Christian life is. It's going to talk about living the new life. The new life is choosing the Jesus float over everything else in the parade, still doing the parade, because we get to choose what float we go on. And we got to remember the float is about Jesus, not me. So I want to walk through this, and we're going to throw it on the screen, and we're going to go slow, and we're going to talk about this. Here's the Apostle Paul writing about living the new life, Remembering that we need to be part of the Jesus float, it's about him, not about us. Here's what he says. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. So get on the Jesus float. Realize that it's different from all the other floats. You've been raised to new life. Other people have other deals. And where are we going to look during our parade? We're going to look eternally. We're going to look past the end of the parade. We're going to understand there's the finish line. And for us as Christians, where is the finish line of the Christian life? It's heaven. Okay, let's keep going. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. If you're on a parade and you're on the float, if you're just focusing on the crowd the whole time, you're not doing your job on the float. You're probably supposed to be throwing out candy. You're not supposed to be focused on the crowd. For you died in this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. So there's our first part of the text. I want to point some things out. Jesus has to be the focus of the float. We've got new life with Jesus. Life is like a parade. No matter what, you're going to be part of a float. If you're part of the Jesus float, that's different than the other floats. 
You're going to set your sight on the reality of heaven. You're going to understand your real life is hidden with Jesus on that float, and you're going to share in His glory. When the float wins first prize at the end, you get to be part of that. Scripture is really clear that we are not naturally good, we are not naturally great and awesome, we are sinful, and we are, without Jesus, destined for condemnation. However, we don't go on the David float or the you float, we go on the Jesus float, so when we get to the end of the parade, we share in Jesus' glory, not our own destruction, and that's really exciting news and clear. So, think of that. That means that quite simply... If you are in your life and you're making it all about you and you're saying Jesus has some role on the side, maybe it's time to rethink that and say, wow, I'm going to go to a parade in November. It's going to be awesome. And I'm going to be reminded as I look at that parade that if my float in my life is all about me, I need to let go of that. In fact, the Bible says that there are some expectations of the Jesus float. We need to let go of things. Here's the challenge. When we look at this idea of, I don't want to be legalistic as a Christian, that doesn't mean that nothing matters. Instead, life does matter. What we do does matter. We glorify God or not with our actions, and we're changed over time. On the Jesus float, we must get rid of some things. And you could say, David, I thought you were going to say no legalism. Yeah, no legalism. I'm not saying, I'm going to give you a whole list, and then I'm going to, as the preacher, come and scold you and say, I can't believe you're doing these things. That's not the point of the Holy Spirit in our lives or the Bible. You're going to see there's a list that Paul says, avoid these things. And the exciting thing is, is it's not your pastor's role to scold you, but it's you meet with the Holy Spirit as you read the text. And the Holy Spirit over time convicts you and says, hey, let's work on these things. Let's get rid of them. Let's realize that we don't need to just be living like everybody else. But before we get there, I want to soften it. So we talked about the Jesus float first, and maybe you're unclear of what I mean by that. So I'll give you a float everybody knows. Here's the best float in Thanksgiving, the Snoopy float. Have you seen this one? Now, what do you notice about the Snoopy float? Is it exactly a float? Not exactly, right? Because see all those people at the bottom? They're all walking. And they're all holding these ropes that lead to this big balloon. And here's what I want to be clear about with this. Imagine you got a call today, and they said, hey, I want you to march in the Thanksgiving Day Parade at Macy's, and I want you to be part of the Snoopy float. You'd have to give up some things to do that. You couldn't just say, yeah, but I'm going to bring exactly myself right now. You'd say, okay, um, you know, maybe in the past, I've always liked sleeping in on Thanksgiving mornings. What time do you think the Snoopy float starts? You have to get there super early, right? So you got to give that up. It's great because it's the Snoopy float, and who doesn't want to be on the Snoopy float? Do we have any Snoopy haters here? No, everybody loves Snoopy. He's like the only unifying thing we have left, him and Dolly Parton. Okay, <laughs> I'm serious. There's nothing else anymore. Okay, there's really not. I was trying to do it. I actually was arguing the AI to give me, like, unifying things in culture, and I got Snoopy and Dolly Parton for you. That's it. Now... So you can look and say, okay, well, I like my Thanksgiving experience to be sitting on my couch in my footy pajama PJs and drinking my coffee, right? You got to give that up if you're going to be on the Snoopy float. Well, I like a warm celebration. I want my whole family there, and we're going to eat apple pie in the morning. 
you got to give that up if you're going to be in the Snoopy float, right? Well, I don't like holding things. You know, I'm really a reserved person who I want to, when I'm in public, put my hands in my pocket. Hey, I, I don't know what to tell you. They're holding ropes. It's a balloon. You got to do that. Well, I met with a fashionista, and she said that red's really not a color for me. I'm so sorry if you want to be on the Snoopy float. You're wearing red. Too bad. Now, I did that to soften it because we're going to read what's called one of Paul's sin lists. And sometimes, unfortunately, these scriptures have been used in the wrong way to hit people over the head with the Bible. If anyone's ever done this for you, I want to personally apologize right now. That's not the point of the Bible. People should not take the Bible and cudgel you with it or bludgeon you with it and make you feel bad. This book is about freedom in Jesus, not following rules, feeling bad, feeling guilt or shame. So if you're sitting there being like, I've been cudgeled with the Bible, I'm so sorry that's happened. We're not going to do that here, but we're also going to look at the things that Paul asks us to be aware of and say these aren't really helpful things. These are some things I need to give up on the float. We'll start on verse 15. I'm sorry, we're going to start not on verse 15, we're going to start on verse 5. So put to death these sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Pause for a moment. People look at that and feel bad. Don't feel bad. Think about the fact it's like the Snoopy float. If you want to be part of the Snoopy float, you can bring some of those other attitudes with you. But by the time you get to the end of the Snoopy float, hopefully you'll be over the fact you don't like wearing red, and you'll just say, I'm so glad to be here. I've actually been changed, and I had a great experience. It's nice to be wearing red on the Snoopy float. So again, this is not guilt. Let's keep going. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of the world. When you were part of any other float, when you were part of the David float or the Thanksgiving float and not the Jesus float or the Snoopy float, you used to do everything else. Not anymore. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Now is the time, my friends. If you think about that, now is the time. Don't feel guilty about it. Say, wow, there's times when I go to anger as a default. Now is the time to be working on that, to say, not I need to legalistically white-knuckle it, but to say, Lord, would you work the Holy Spirit in my heart to realize those times when I'm just defaulting to anger, and would you work that in my life? And that Christians in my life could start to hold me accountable. Not, not saying, I can't believe you're getting angry, but say, hey, you said you're working on anger. Why don't we just slow down, have a prayer? Life is okay. It's not perfect. It's not amazing. It's not awful either. It's just life. Let's keep going. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. So what does that mean? Let me be clear on that, because I think this is really helpful. There are things we bring on the float that Paul is saying, let's not bring them. 
Let's not beat ourselves up about them. Let's hold each other accountable and start to be honest about this. When I'm raising my children, I have behaviors that I want them to learn. These aren't any of them. If I'm noticing that I'm having sexual immorality or evil desires or greed, which Paul says is idolatry, let's break that down for a moment. Idolatry is where there's God, so there's the cross right there, and I'm putting something else in, in the way. When I have greed, what it means is I'm taking money and my love of the material world and saying that's more important to me than my love for Jesus. And so Paul's saying, hey, if you're going to get on the float, let's let these things go, because if you're holding these on the Jesus float, you're just going to be kind of out of continuity. You're going to be feeling, remember in middle school where you walked in the cafeteria and you felt like you stuck out? If we hold on to these things and insist, when we're with Jesus, we're going to feel kind of like we stick out. Anger and rage, malicious behavior, dirty language, lies. These are things that we want God to help us lose over time because we are chosen for the Jesus float. That's what's really clear. It's not that, it's not that nothing matters. It's not that life is just this maddening, frustrating experience and then we all die and nothing mattered anyhow. No, there is a meaning of life. His name is Jesus. He is the answer. And the reality is, is that each of us has the chance to see that we are chosen to walk with Jesus in this parade we call life. And each of us has the chance to say, okay, if I'm chosen for the Jesus float, now what? And this is our final point. I want to be clear about this. Because sometimes we think that being chosen is just, okay, I'm chosen, now what? Well, I want to remind you that you're chosen, you're going to see in the end of this text, it's going to say very clearly you're chosen to be part of living the new life through Jesus. But being chosen doesn't lead to being accepting something. If I'm chosen... I still have to say yes, and I still have to do it. I want to give you examples. And this is, again, I'm going to first give you the non-Christian ones, and then I'm going to show you the Bible, because sometimes this text can get heavy. Do those faces look really familiar to you? Anybody know those guys? Household names, right? Let me give you the names. All right, so on the left, we got Terry Reed. Any, any Terry Reed super fans? Okay. On the... So that's on the left. On the right, we have Nolan Bushnell. Any, any Nolan Bushnell super fans? Okay. Who likes Led Zeppelin? Anybody like Led Zeppelin? Okay. So Terry Reed on the left was chosen to be the original frontman for the new Yardbirds, also called Led Zeppelin. Okay? And he said no. He was chosen, but he didn't accept it. Okay. That's not helpful, is it? If you go on his website, he makes it sound like he turned it down and like he's better than Led Zeppelin? He's not. You haven't heard of Terry Reed. You've heard of Led Zeppelin. Okay, on the other side, Nolan, I'm sorry. You haven't heard of Nolan Bushnell. Who's ever heard of Apple? Yeah? Nolan Bushnell was offered a one-third equity stake in Apple and he would be a billionaire of billionaires right now. Instead, he's Nolan Bushnell. Because being chosen and accepting it aren't always related, are they? We have been chosen for the Jesus float. We've been chosen to have new life in Christ. Now I want to show you the text, and now I want to make it clear. So let's walk through. I have my Bible upside down. We'll come right back here. So we're going to be in verse 12. 
since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, I'm going to stop. Do you see how I underline those first four words? Have you ever felt forgotten? Have you ever felt unimportant? Have you ever felt isolated and like, my life doesn't mean anything? Maybe those four words you want a tattoo on your arm, since God chose me. I'm not kidding. Let's read those first four words together. Since God chose you. Let's do it again. Since God chose you. There's so much in this text, and maybe you're like, David, there's 15 verses we're looking at. All I need are these four, first four words. Maybe this is the truth I need in my life today. Since God chose you to be what? To be the holy people he loves. What does holy people mean? It means being set apart. That basically, if you look at everybody, God chose you to be set apart from everybody. On the Jesus float, the Jesus float is set apart from the rest of the parade. The Snoopy float is set apart from the rest of the parade. God chose you to be his holy people. So what we must do in response to that is we must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Ooh, that's hard, isn't it? Who gets offended? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) That's like, I feel like that's like American society on every angle, right? Left, right, up, down, partisan, nonpartisan, local, national, international. We all get offended. Look what it says here. Make allowance for each other's faults as the church. Forgive anyone who offends you. You're going to get offended. You know what? I have bad news for you this week. I got good news about Jesus and bad news about life. You're going to get offended this week. You're going to get offended, Paul. You're going to get offended this week. He looks at me. He's like, yep, you're right, David. I am going to get offended this week. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. This is the big thing that people always ask pastors. If I ever wear a shirt that says pastor, I have a random person come up to me and say, hi, I have a question. So how many times should I forgive? Or they say, do I really need to forgive and forget? Now, I've never even met this person. I don't know what they're talking about. And these are the questions because these are the burning desires and questions we have. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. You get to be part of the Jesus float. So when the other person comes on the Jesus float and you really don't like them and you really wish they weren't there, make allowance for them. You're invited on. They are too. We really struggle with that. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And, if that wasn't enough, right, that's hard. Above all, just do everything in love. And, okay, what and? And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, we are called to live in peace. And, oh great, Paul, like you're, you're, you're giving me all these things. Okay. And always be thankful. Now I think it's really helpful because we had a sin list, and it is the sin list. And we want to acknowledge it. We want to say, I don't want to bring these things into my marriage, into my parenting, into my pastoring, into my workplace into my adoption, whatever it is. I don't want to bring those in. But here's things we do want. And so here's the, here's the list. Maybe I sometimes say, don't take a picture. Take a picture of this one. 
These are the things I do want my children to do. I said, if you looked at the other list, I don't want to teach my kids to do that. I want to teach my kids to do these. And I know that Christians who accept the Holy Spirit into your heart, over time we do more of these. Think about a great Christian you have in your life. I have wonderful Christians, because I got all of you. I'm serious. Some of the best Christians I know, the kindest people, the most spirit-filled and led people are in this room and in our ministry. And you have those people too. You have access to them. We can learn from them, but they aren't our gospel, and we don't imitate them. We imitate Jesus. And we're changed not by being more like them, but being more like Jesus. But here's the things. On to Jesus float. The behaviors you got to do. If you're on a Snoopy float, you got to hold a balloon, wear red, show up early, wear earmuffs, wear hand warmers. Here's the things you need to do on the Jesus float. Be set apart. Choose a couple things. Mercy. What's mercy? If you punch me in the face and I don't punch you back, that's mercy. There's times where we just get punched in face by life or another person or their attitude or a boss's decision. Simply saying, hey, I'm going to choose mercy. Choosing kindness. Choosing humility. Humility is so hard because we want to say who's humble. Who's humble in this room? That's the problem, right? Choose patience. Now, it's challenging with, with choosing patience. We want to bring that on the Jesus float, but we don't get patience. Sometimes we think patience is indefinitely waiting. Sometimes we think patience is just kind of like sitting and feeling isolated. Patience is acknowledging that God has a plan for my life. The finished work of Jesus takes care of all the real issues, and therefore I can pause until I'm needed. That's really what patience is. Extending grace. This one's hard. It's been said that if mercy is, you punch me, who am I going to pick on? George. George punches me in the face. Ouch, George. That's okay. I love you anyhow. And I don't punch him back. That's mercy. Grace is different. If he punches me in the face and I don't punch him back and I pull out money and I say we're going to go for ice cream and I'm going to buy you an ice cream cone, that is, that is grace, okay? And extending that to people, undeserved favor, we bring that onto the Jesus float. That is what the Jesus float looks like. Forgiving and forgiving and forgiving and acting out of love. These are the behaviors we want to have on the Jesus float. These are the things that we want to see in our lives. When I think of my four-year-old and my two-year-old, when they're starting to do this, I'm like crying with joy, aren't I? You're the same way with your kids, your grandkids, your nieces, nephews, whatever it is. Okay, but now I want to do something weird, and I want to look at one final thing, because the problem is sometimes we still get the wrong idea. See this, see this float right here? Does that float look amazing? Let's talk about why it's amazing. It's gold, it's at Disneyland, it's royal, it's got the little, um, I think they're called, I forget what they're called, they're from New Orleans, um, but they're French, someone will tell me at the end what they're called, but they're the little club things, um, looks really nice. I'm hearing it, and I, exactly. So we see that right there. As I said, you'll correct me at the end. Fact check the pastor. Who wants to get on that float? Doesn't that look amazing? It's broken down. That's a picture of a broken down float that won't move. That's the problem, right? So the challenge is, is that we get so excited for that. That's a picture of a broken down float that people had to abandon and walk to the end of the parade. Let me tell you the story, then let me relate it. On April 30th, 
this year. This float is called Once Upon a Dream. It looks beautiful. It broke down between Sleeping Beauty's Castle and Main Street, USA. And so everyone had to evacuate the float, get off, drudge to the finish line in their big costumes and with their various things. They weren't set up to walk, but they had to. And now the float was stuck and broken down till the end. But the problem that happens in our lives is we still look at things and we think they're better than the Jesus float. And we think that they are the answer. We, think, we see gold and flash and shine and the French thing that I didn't pronounce correctly and you told me what it was and I still didn't know. And we say, and we say that's the key to life. But it's a broken down float. We can do this in marriages, Right? Sometimes they call it things like seven-year itches. Sometimes they call it things like midlife crisis. Maybe it's feelings of, I wish there was more. Sometimes we have it. I grew up in a time in the, in the 90s where there were a lot of golf widows, where there were people who just really, they looked and they said, hey, my marriage isn't great yet, so what I'm going to do instead of investing in my marriage, and this was a long time ago, is I'm going to instead just say, I'm out of here, I'm going to be gone all weekend. And we can do this, and we can get on the broken down float, and then we're confused why we're on a broken down float and life isn't very good. My friends, we have an opportunity to see that new life in Jesus means new life in Jesus. It doesn't mean my life is going to be perfect. It doesn't mean I'm going to get to ride that float. But it means that I'm going to be reasonably content, I'm going to have an eternal perspective, and it means I'm going to have a community. Look around in this room. you got a community. You're not isolated. These people love you. There's first-time people here. These people are great people. I want you to get to know them. They're great people here. Because the choices we make matter. So I want to ask you two questions. What role does Jesus play in your life? Because the choices we make matter. What role does Jesus play in your life? And what role does your lifestyle play in following Jesus? If you need to work on your relationship with Christ, we want to invite you forward. We're going to bring down the band. We're going to bring down a prayer team. We're going to conclude our service today. Sometimes we make really intense prayer prompts. We have a culture in our church at the end of a service. We don't want to put it off. We don't want to say the Lord has brought this burning desire in in my mind and I feel like I need to do something, but I won't do anything. If you're just saying, hey, I feel a little convicted. I need to work on my relationship with Jesus. We want you to come forward, pray with us during the last song, and then let's talk about some next steps. Maybe we got to get you in a small group. Maybe we got to get you in community. Maybe there's some life issue that you're needing people to support you through. Your spiritual life matters and your life matters. No matter what, we're going to be on a parade and we're going to be on a float. Is it the Jesus float or is it something else? If you need to work on your relationship with Christ, let's start today. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I ask that you'd give us all the intentionality and the honesty to acknowledge whether or not we're on the right float today. Lord, if we're just making you an afterthought, would you reveal that to us right now in this time that I can just say, hey, I I can make my relationship with Christ a greater priority. If I'm bringing some of the wrong things into my life, Lord, would you not have me go another minute without saying it's time to start letting go of some things? 
And if there's missed opportunities, if I have a chance to be extending grace in my workplace, extending grace with my adult children who are frustrating, Lord, I ask that you would give us the willingness to just say, yes, I'm ready to take that step. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.